Hi, I'm Brian Levy. I'm a partner at Manchester Living and the host of the Manchester Living podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to help people navigate the complex maze of elder care. There is a lexicon of elder care terms on our website at manchesterliving.com. Today's episode is called It's Medicinal. We're talking about medicinal marijuana. This in no way is an endorsement or medical advice. We're just here to educate. So um, thanks for joining us today. But first, let's roll into the new and noteworthy. I saw this video online and had to share it with you today. It's a pretty compelling um, message. So please roll the tape. Hi, Larry. How are you? Come in. Come in. How you feeling? It's been a bit of a rough week. Really? And the best way to take it is put it under your tongue and rub it in your cheek. Don't do too much. You're going to be asleep all, all afternoon. You know what you should do? No, don't try to communicate, just relax. See what happens. We know from animal experiments that the endogenous cannabinoid system is very important in regulating motor activity, the very type of activity that is impaired in Parkinson's disease. From animal experiments, we also know that boosting certain branches of the endocannabinoid system is helpful in relieving symptoms of Parkinson's. Finally, from anecdotal information, we know that certain patients who smoke marijuana experience relief of their symptoms. I think you're calmed down. So quickly. Isn't that amazing? He used just a single drop and his hands afterwards were rock steady and the dyskinesia left. Mm -hmm. It was coming back. It works most of the time. In fact, it's... Uh... <laughs> Did you guys eat lunch? Are you hungry now? Funny, I am. Actually, I've... First, like me, I really use marijuana. It makes, it makes me pretty angry that I can't get it in my home state. The number one frustration that I have is knowing that there is this untapped potential that comes from what marijuana is, te is teaching us to generate new medicines and being stuck because of financial issues or political issues. That is extremely frustrating. We now know that medical marijuana um, controls dyskinesia um, and yet it's not, it's not available to us. Wow. All right. My guest today, Richard Chang. Richard is a member attorney at Weaver Johnston Nelson Law Firm, serving exclusively in the healthcare and cannabis industries. His practice is focused on corporate transactions and healthcare regulations. Thanks for being here. Thanks, bro. And Dr. Benicia Williams, double board certified in physical medicine and rehabilitation and sports medicine. She's a partner at PMR Fort Worth. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. That was a mouthful. Richard, who are you and what do you do? Well, thanks, Brian. <laughs> thanks for giving me the stage. Um, appreciate you having me. My name is Richard Chang. I'm a, a corporate and uh, healthcare regulatory attorney and been so for about 17 years. About nine and a half, 10 years ago, I developed a sub-practice in, uh, in cannabis. 
Okay, Dr. Williams. I am Dr. Benice Williams. I am, as you told Brian, double board certified physician in physical medicine rehabilitation, which really focuses on improving the quality of life of patients, typically after something has made them debilitated. Interesting. All right, Richard, what drew you to this industry? You know, it was by accident. <laughs> um, you know, like, like I said, I fell into it about nine and a half, almost 10 years ago through the healthcare side. Uh, prior to going to law school, I was actually an occupational therapist. So getting into healthcare uh, practice was uh, on the legal side, wasn't it wasn't far-fetched as you can imagine. And then one day I got a call and the firm said, hey, we have a client and they want to know the legal liabilities for a physician prescribing versus recommending medical cannabis. And then it took off and, and then shortly thereafter, I started representing a trade association with it was a cannabis trade association. And as you can imagine, floodgates opened. Right, yeah. Dr. Williams? I got into it from a good friend who's also a rehabilitation physician. She was using cannabis in Chicago. And um, she said she was getting really, really good outcomes. So I did a deep dive, took several classes um, to become educated on cannabis. And I started using it and have had wonderful results with my patients. Great. Okay, what is cannabis? And wait, hold on. The, the question continues. Know, yeah. And what is the difference between THC, CBD, Delta 8, Delta 9, all of the different things that we keep hearing? What are the differences? And is it legal in Texas? So cannabis is marijuana, weed, pot. We try to use the word cannabis in the medical industry. CBD, it dresses it up. It does. <laughs> <laughs> CBD, THC are cannabinoids. Um, they're their organic compound name, which are very long, so we shorten it up. Delta 9 is the chemical process that THC goes to into the body to help make, make it activated. Delta 8 is a synthetic form of THC that is derived from CBD, typically in a lab. So it doesn't happen organically in our body. So what where yeah, where are the psychedelic effects <laughs> in one and not the other? Yeah. And So CBD, in our body, we have the endocannabinoid system that you just saw on the um, video. And there's receptors called the CB1, CB2 receptors in our body. There's a lot of them mm. in the brain, in the gut, and they help regulate inflammation, sleep, um, and just maintaining balance within the neural, neural system. Um, so they work CB1, CH, THC hits CB1, CBD hits T, C, sorry, <laughs> T, CBD hits CB1 receptors, THC hits CB2 receptors, and they can cross into the brain. THC is the one that gives people that euphoric high effect and CBD can help modulate THC and not make you as high. So we typically try to give them together. Got it. It's a mouthful. It is a mouthful <laughs> it and it's a, it's a lot of science it in is. there. It's but a just lot to, of science. To dumb it down, THC is where you're gonna get high. Yep. Delta 8, Delta 9, CBD does not have the psychedelic effect. It is, Delta 9 does because that's one of the active components of THC in the body. Delta 8 will also get you high. Um, it's not as strong as Delta 9 but this is all dose dependent. So higher doses, when people are getting high off of these medications, they're doing 20, 30, 40 milligrams at a time. Here in Texas, we do low dose THC. I always tell my patients, my main goal is to make you feel better and not get you high. There you go. Yeah. 
as, as we said, it's medicinal. It's medicinal. Right. Exactly. Richard, you want to talk yeah, about the legalities? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit just from a, from a legal perspective as well. Um, you know, as far as what is cannabis, it's a plant. And if there's different types of cannabis plants, um, most of the stuff that we see on the open market, it comes from the sativa L um species i I, don't, I certainly don't want want to use terminology it makes me sound like a botanist or a phytochemist <laughs> but there's indica and there's ruderalis right and as dr williams said the the different acronyms that you hear on the open market thc uh cbd they're cannabinoids they're probably about uh, between 100 115 yeah there's like you know some <laughs> studies have said 100 some i've seen as much as um 160 you'll you'll hear terms like the entourage effect with mm-hmm. when you usher in the different cannabinoids that impact your endocannabinoid system that's full spectrum cannabis yeah and you'll hear broad spectrum you hear isolates and stuff and so there's different terminology it's very it's 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 very uh chemical you know (laughs) specific um you know the stuff that we see on the open market the delta nine and this is purely from a legal perspective right the delta nine is kind of the measuring stick the delta nine thc on what makes something legal or illegal like hemp that's a cannabis plant Hemp is absolutely cannabis. So for anybody that is out there that says, well, it's hemp and this is cannabis, this is hemp. Well, hemp is cannabis. The only, from from a legal standpoint, under the Controlled Substances Act, the only differentiating factor between hemp and and marijuana is the amount of Delta-9 THC that's in it. Now you do have Delta six, Delta uh, Delta eight, Delta ten that has trace amounts, but but the stuff as Dr. Williams alluded to, the stuff that we see on the open market that's at commercial grade, it's it is created, right? You add heat, acid, solvents to from to, to, to CBD and you create delta eight THC, which does induce um, I would say a milder or smoother high, mm-hmm. a little bit a little bit less. Um, and of course there's other other stuff out on the open market. You'll hear like HHC, THCO, V and P. Um, some of that is not does does not naturally occur. They're purely synthetic. So you know, that's why the DEA will treat Delta-8 and THCO, for example, legally a little bit differently. You have mentioned the open market, define yeah. open market. Well, so first of all, um, the stuff that we see on the open market, it is very jurisdictional based. In Texas, as of today, as we speak at this very moment, there there are zero prohibitions against hemp cannabinoid derived THC products. However, there's stuff that's going on in the legislature. We, we won't talk. That's a different conversation, right? But you know, like um, if you were if you were to go to Vermont, they do have a very strict um, prohibition against uh, Delta ATC. You just can't sell it, right? The stuff that we go into, like the different vape shops, different stores, or if we go to a gas station, you just won't ha- you just won't find it there because their law enforcement will prohibit it. They'll force you to take it off the, off the shelf. So it's very jurisdictional based from state to state. And there's variations like, you know, California has very specific mandates. Colorado has other mandates. And then one thing you you should, you know, if you notice the states that has adult use marijuana, they have more prohibitions against hemp, hemp cannabinoid derived products. Why? Because it competes, right? It's a competing, it's a competing product. And states that have more restrictive adult use uh, marijuana use there's usually less restrictions, typically. Thank you for explaining that. Doctor, yes. tell me, how does marijuana, medical marijuana, affect the mind and the body? 
It affects the mind by crossing into the blood-brain barrier, and it hits those receptors that we discussed earlier. And it can give people, it can affect your mood, it can affect your sleep, it can reduce inflammation, it helps with motor movement. Um, so again, it's dose dependent. So if you're getting this very high doses, then you're going to get high. <laughs> mm -hmm. So our goal is to always to try to find the minimal effective dose to not make you high, but just to make you feel better. I would say like the number one side effect I have from patients is everyone sleeps better. And everyone's like my anxiety and depression is way better as well. So interesting. Yeah, okay. Interesting. What applications are there such as tincture, edibles, um, uh, smoke? Mm -hmm. uh, some call it flower. Yeah. What applications and what's most common in the elder community? So here in Texas, there's no smokables. Mm -hmm. It's either they have tinctures, they have gummies, there's a suppository in drink and lozenge. The two most popular, I would say, is tincture and the lozenge. Um, I'm sorry, tinctures and the gummy. I would say what's most popular, I typically start with the tincture most of the time because it's very easy to titrate. So you can give less and, or more. And define tincture. Tincture being the oil. It is, um, you take the product, it is compressed down into MCT oil and it's mixed in and then you give it in a droplet and you hold it underneath your tongue and we get what's called submucose absorption. So it's absorbed under your throat and gets directly into your bloodstream. Got it. How does someone start the process to get cannabis prescribed? And once it's prescribed, what's the process in obtaining that prescription? To get prescribed, you have to see a board certified physician that is registered with the Compassionate Use Registry of Texas. Say that again, Compassionate, Compassionate Use Registry of Texas. We call it CURT. Okay. Um, so you have to be registered with CURT. You have to see a physician. You have to have a qualifying diagnosis to um, get a prescription. So here in Texas, that includes ALS, um, MS, Parkinson's, neurodegenerative conditions, which include like neuropathy, um, and spasticity. Those are the top five um, diagnoses. If you look under neurodegenerative conditions, there's about a hundred, if not more, listed. So if you have one of those, you'll qualify. You see a physician. The physician then has to register you in the CURT system. The CURT system is ran by the Department of Public Safety. And once you have your prescription in the computer, one of the licensed dispensaries here in Texas will pull that prescription and then they, you have to contact the dispensary and then the dispensary could um, either deliver your medication or they have pickup locations throughout the state where you can pick it up. Got it. Pretty technical. It is. It controlled. is. It is. I have to. It is very controlled. I have to explain it to people multiple times. I'm like, they can't contact you. You have to call them. This is the number. So there's a process. It and is. Once you get into the routine and mm -hmm. you get your prescription. Um, I didn't mention topical. Is there a topical option? Not here in Texas. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There. I'm sure it'll be developed, but um, it really is supply and demand. So as the demand grows for it, I'm sure they'll develop that. How has the cannabis industry affected other industries? I will say for the opioid industry, some of my biggest referrals um, come from pain management physicians who want to get their, their patients don't want to take the opioids anymore. They're literally sick of it and they want to transition over. So in a good way, which is a fantastic, it's, I think it's starting to compete with the opioid um, industry, which Great. is good. Richard, do you see this becoming more and more mainstream through uh, through the legislature? Um, I think we've, we've been seeing it, right? And to, um, you know, it's it's really evolved, evolved since even when I got into it. And I got into it much later than some of the other people that got into it much earlier on the West Coast. Uh, when I got into it in 13, people thought I was crazy for even 
you know, um, exploring it. And over the years, it's evolved over time. I really didn't really see a major change until about 17, 18. That was kind of like the breaking point where, at least in Texas, I, I don't know if you, any of you remember, but there was a position by the Texas Department of Health and Human Services that said they were going to do a statewide sweep of CBD products. I mean, CBD was kind of taboo back then, right? Mm -hmm. Because keep in mind, um, December 20th of 2018 is when the Farm Bill passed. So CBD was still kind of like the cutting edge then. But you see CBD shops everywhere, right. on every corner. Um, and now it's just ex widely accepted. So even in the five years from, or really four and a half years, in the four and a half years, think about how much evolution has changed, even in that little segment of the market. Now you're looking into uh, other products that's being developed, right? There are companies out there that's developing cancer dr drugs using hemp cannabinoids, right? And you know they're exploring different um different markets of developing like pet foods or or horse feed and using different ca uh can cannabis products as well i, I think i'll address your your um your earlier question about how cannabis has impacted other industries mm -hmm. uh, i think there's a direct um correlation between cannabis and healthcare for example um just even beyond representing physicians and how it's impacted physician practices now you know over the years i've gotten calls from uh, skilled nursing facilities or assisted living facilities or even hospices saying, can we use um, medical cannabis in our palliative care? Or can we store this stuff? And how do we administer it? Can we administer it? How does it impact our Medicare certification? Does it impact our Medicaid contract, right? So there's all these little potential legal um, blunders, if you will, that they're they, they consider to be you know, a pretty big impact on yeah. their business. And there's a lot of unknowns. Right. Dr. Williams, do you have uh, patients, elder care patients that have benefited from cannabis? And, and, and if so, what were the diagnosis and the results? 100%. I would say the majority of my patients are um, 65 and plus that are using cannabis and they've seen fantastic results. One of my patients before he got to me, he is a Parkinson's patient, horrible gait, meaning he was falling all the time, can't walk well went to Oregon on vacation, tried a gummy there. A lot of my patients like, oh, I went on vacation, tried it, it right. worked well. And when I tell you, they show me a video of him running. So my mind was like completely blown. But you know, I do a lot of um, botulinum toxin for spasticity, meaning patients who have had strokes, they're paralyzed on one side, their arm starts drying up and we inject botulinum toxin in the muscle to help relax their muscles. And I've been able to cut down, if not completely not do the botulinum toxin anymore because they're doing so well on the cat on the um, cannabis to treat their spasticity. So, so no, it's fantastic. Result, any One. downsides to using cannabis? I think the biggest downside here in Texas is the cost, honestly, because there's only three licensed dispensaries here in Texas, two of which are active. So um, the, it's just the demand is not there right now, but I think it's get, it's definitely becoming more popular. As it becomes more popular, the cost will go down. So, you know, when patients ask me, that's what I tell them. I'm like, you know, you want to find the minimal effective dose so you don't go through your medication quickly. And clearly it's not covered by Medicare, long-term care insurance, insurance. Yes, it's this cash is pay strictly only. cash exactly. pay. And when we say cash pay, literally cash or can use a credit card I, at the dispensary? You can use a credit card. They have different um, systems that they're using. They've employed for that. Interesting. Okay. What have, Richard, what haven't I asked you that I should? 
Well, you know, um, what's the current state of the Texas uh, Compassionate Use Program, right? There you we go. just went through um, huge. Uh, a huge uh, yeah. event in the last couple yeah. uh, months. Um, and I had the privilege of taking part in that. I'm happy for it, but it was a lot of work for a lot of different companies. Um, in the state of Texas, we opened up for the technically third time, but I'll say the second time, uh, the application process, because currently there's only two operational licensees in the state of Texas for to distribute or to sell um, medical cannabis products, which is a schedule one drug, by the way. Um, but we'll, we won't, you know, that's a different, that's a different, <laughs> different, different, different conversation. That's a different right. show, right. Um, you know, for since uh, seven, 2017, I think the application process, the first round opened up in 16 and they issued licenses in 17. So for the past five years, we've only had two operational licensees, right? So you have a supply issue and I've heard uh, from various physicians, some of my, cl uh, my clients, they said, you know, supply is an issue. You know, I can't get this tincture or I can't get this particular uh, gummy or at least not enough of it. So I think through different lobbying efforts, different events, um, the Texas Department of Public Safety opened up the application process, opened up in January. Deadline was April 28th. We'll see what happens, right? Um, over about 200 applicants applied. We, we don't even know how many they're going to issue. So I would, I would hope, you know, I would uh, think that maybe my clients may be one of them. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. They also added chronic pain as a qualifying diagnosis, which is huge because I've had to turn patients away who didn't have a qualifying diagnosis. Wow. So, yeah. 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 Over the years, I think we've seen, um, it's certainly not as robust as some, many states. You know, like if you, if you compare Texas to say New Mexico, New Mexico had like 33 qualifying conditions you know, as of like maybe four or five years ago. We've had, we started off with one, intractable epilepsy. It got up to like, what, seven? Mm -hmm. is it? And then they added uh, PTSD, mm -hmm. but the neurological degenerative disease category covered like multiple, oh, wow. right? <laughs> and I'm not a physician, but they're slowly adding it. Okay. And, uh, and of course, um, patients can see um, doctors like Dr. Williams and they can determine what's appropriate. And then, you know, depending on what qualifying condition that, that kind of sets them up in the system. Dr. Williams, what haven't I asked you that I should? How do you find a physician to prescribe for you? There you go. So you can go to the Compassionate Use Registry system, which we say, Kurt, just C-U-R-T, type it in, physician location, and then you can type in where you're at and then a list of physicians that are registered in the Kurt. We will put that URL up on the on the board as yeah. well. This has been very interesting conversation. We could be here for, for six more episodes, but um, <laughs> I do look forward to continuing the conversation at a certain point. Thank you guys. Let's move on to the nugget portion of the program. I saw this cartoon on the interwebs and was compelled to share it with you today. It was uh, pretty timely. All right, <laughs> Medication Nation. It's actually a great, uh, great movie. Dial it up. Let's move on to the lightning round. This is an opportunity oh for, for people to get to, to know you guys uh, non-clinically. One word answers. Let's shoot. Okay. Where were you born and raised? Richard. Taipei, Taiwan. Fairfield, California. College and degree. Texas Tech, occupational therapy, Nova Southeastern Law School, University of Memphis, MBA. California State University, Sacramento, Kinesiology, UNT Health Science Center, Master's, my DO degree, trained at Baylor University in um, Dallas for my residency, and then JPS for my sports medicine fellowship. Couple of over. I was. I know that was long. Couple of overachievers. <laughs> I love it. Real trip or fly? Fly. Fly. One hundred percent. Still in touch with college friends? Absolutely. One hundred percent. Going to Bali. Nice. Ever been arrested? Yes. No. All right. Call or text. 
Text. Text. Bilingual? Yes. No. Eat alone at a restaurant? I've done it before. I've never done it. All right. Do you have a tattoo? Yes. No. All right. Uh, drive a stick shift? Absolutely. No. <laughs> iPhone or Android? iPhone all the way. Team Apple all e the way. Ever run out of gas on the road? Yes. One time. All right. Karaoke, yes or no? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Who's your industry mentor? Wow. Um, we'll go with Barbara Cornblow. I would say um, Dr. Khalilia Clark. Last question. Number one skill set you need for this industry? Persistence. Compassion. Well played. Thank you guys both for being here today. We are going to put up the URLs for both of your companies in case anybody else wants to uh, reach out to you directly. Uh, thank you for watching today. If you want to see this episode again or any past episodes, you can dial us up on manchesterlivingpodcast.com or do a search anywhere you get your podcasts and hopefully Manchester Living Podcast will pop up. If there's anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out directly. Thanks for watching today.